Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, well, we are right at the onset of a series that we're simply calling Being Comfortable in the Uncomfortable. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we all love to be comfortable, yes? Not many of us love to be in the place of an uncomfortable situation. An uncomfortable situation oftentimes is awkward feeling. An uncomfortable situation oftentimes causes us to kind of recluse into our corner and, and to hide out and, and do our best not to say a word, not to ruffle any feathers, and really, truthfully, we don't want anybody to know that we're there. But can I just tell you, we're in a day and time. We're in a culture experience where there's going to be numerous opportunities for you to step into whether you like it or not, into the realm of uncomfortable. So as I began to pray, Lord, what would you have us to do and how do we dissect this topic? I was led to two very short books of the New Testament. They're written by one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples, a primary leader in the early church, what we're looking at are the books of First and Second Peter. And as we dive into these books, we're going to discover what it truly means to find ourselves comfortable in the uncomfortable. What does it look like for us to discover, to settle in, and to take action, come on, look at that, to take action in the faith that we have with Jesus amidst the chaos of a godly culture that surrounds us every day? You see, it's not enough just to discover. We can discover that society is chaotic pretty quick. Yes? So it's not enough to discover that. It's really not enough to to settle in. I think the problem is for too many years the church has settled in. Come on, that's a good place for an old Pentecostal person to say amen. Thank you. I've got an amen up front here. We've done a really good job of, of settling in. But here is where we failed. We have failed to take action. Now, I want you to listen very carefully this morning. This is going to be somewhat of a difficult topic. We're going to talk about moving from tolerance to truth. I want you to to really prepare your hearts right now. I want you to to really open up and say, Lord, help me to receive your word. Because it would be easy for some of us in the room to, when our toes start getting stepped on, to get a little defensive, right? But I believe that if we're to be the church that God's called us to be, that we've got to learn how to really apply God's Word, and if we're going to really apply God's Word, then we've got to move away from this idea of tolerance, which we'll define in a few moments, and into the realm of truth. 
But truth is hard, and we'll explain also that in a few moments as well. I want to dive in and help us understand that we must not just settle into this idea of tolerance, but we must pursue truth at all times. Come on, somebody say at all times. Is it enough just to pursue truth on a Sunday morning? Come on, is it enough to pursue truth just on a Wednesday night? No, if we're truly a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that we will take up our cross daily, come on, and follow him. That means that we've got to hold on to the truth on a daily, regular basis, not picking it up on Sunday because it looks the parts. Come on. But then on Sunday afternoon, we stick it back on the shelf, and hey, I'll catch you next week. It's been fun hanging out. And then next Sunday morning, we dust it off and pick it up and, and smile. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that if we're going to truly pursue, if we're truly going to be a disciple, if we're truly going to follow after the things of God, if we're truly going to be who he's called us to be, then we've got to daily pick up that cross and follow him. As we dissect these two incredible books, I believe that God's going to help us to move to this place of becoming who he's called us to be. You see, our word for the year, our phrase for the year is all in. We can't be all in if we're just temporarily holding on to truth. Culture has somehow perverted this idea of tolerance. They, they would say that, that I should be tolerant of every single person's opinion, every single person's choice, every single person's lifestyle, every single person's behavior. However, listen carefully this morning. If the behavior or the lifestyle has the potential to cause harm to somebody then real love would say that I should do all that I can to help them out of a destructive behavior and into a life that follows and mirrors the things of God. Come on. Real love says, I am not going to allow you to stay in that spiral of destruction because I love you. I want to help you become who God has called you to be. I want to help you find yourself at a place where you line up with the Word of God. I want to help you because one day, the choices that you make today, one day will impact your eternity forever. So we as a church, we have to stop just acknowledging there's issues. We have to stop just settling in. But we've got to find ourselves at a place where we're comfortable in our faith so that we can step into the realm of the uncomfortable and still speak the truth with boldness and confidence. 
We can't waver. We can't tiptoe back and forth. But we must rest upon the truth of God's word, which never changes, which never wavers, which never cowers, which is the same yesterday and today and forever. We must learn to pursue and follow after the truth of God's word. Our text today is found in chapter 1 of First Peter. Peter is writing here and he says this, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Let me pause. There was a moment in time, there was a a, a designated moment in your life, maybe when you were a child, maybe it was recent, maybe as a young adult, where you followed after the moving and the stirring of the Spirit. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you came to an altar. You surrendered yourself to God. You said, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me and make me new. Peter says, you were cleansed from your sin. But is that the stopping point? Is that the point where we as believers go, man, I've made it. I recognized. I settled in. No, that's not the stopping point. That's just the, the starting point. He goes on to say this. So now you must. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you must. It's imperative that I urge you, show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your hearts. For the next few moments, I want to share with you three responses to this relationship with Jesus. Number one is this, and I really hope that you'll take good notes today. This is going to be one of those messages you're going to want to refer back to from time to time. Number one is this. Before you share the truth, you must know the truth. I know that sounds obvious. I know it does. But it's the, it's the reality. I can't share with you the truth about something. Oh, I can make up a story. I had somebody this morning say, hey, let me ask you a question. I said, let me give you an answer. I said, I may make it up, but let me give you an answer. We're real good at just kind of crafting an answer, figuring something out. There's a, my family loves to play board games, and there's a game that I love called Malarkey. And the, the premise of Malarkey is this. You'll have a card, and it gives you an answer. For example, why do you never see a baby pigeon? Well, to me, the answer to that would be, have you ever seen a pigeon egg? Pigeon eggs are huge. So when a pigeon is born, when a baby pigeon is born, it's born virtually full size. Therefore, you can't tell the difference between a baby pigeon and an adult pigeon. Is that true? No. But that's the reason I bought the game. Because I was standing in Walmart years ago with my mom, and we were looking at games, and, and I saw that, and that was the illustrated question on the front of the box. And I read that, and I gave her that response. And she goes, are you serious? I said, no, but I'm buying the game. We're really good at crafting answers, but can I just tell you, when it comes to sharing your faith, We've got to know the truth. 
So let me share with you for a few moments and look at the fact that once we've been changed, once we've been renewed in Jesus, we now have a responsibility to help others, to, to bring them out of the struggles and the difficulty and the uncomfortable of life. See, this knowledge that we gain, it's not just to be head knowledge. It's not just to be a passing thought that we have on a Sunday morning, but it's to be an active knowledge that cannot remain stagnant. We're not called to be spectators. We learned that last week, but we're called for a higher calling, a greater purpose. We're called to be the light in the midst of the darkness, the hope in the midst of the hopelessness. We were called to speak the truth in love to a loveless world. Now, now why did I put that word in love there? Because sometimes a Christian has been guilty of speaking the truth and not so much love. We, We fail to represent Jesus. We really represent the Pharisee. The Pharisees were all about the religious law, the structure, following the details, making sure you cross all the T's and dot all the I's, that you do what you're supposed to do, and that you never falter, that you never fail. And if you do, oh, I've got a penalty for you. And the problem is the church world has been guilty of doing much the same. We raise a lot of noise. But we really don't give resolution. We really don't give opportunity. We really don't share it in love. And I believe that that our calling, that our purpose is to resemble Jesus, to represent him, to, to hold on to this greater purpose. You see, we've got to learn the truth before we can share the truth. But here's the problem with truth. In our culture today, somehow we've crafted this idea that truth is not absolute, but truth is relative. That if it's true for me, then it must be okay. It may not be true for you, but it's true for me. Let me give you the Hebrew word for that. Hui. That's a bunch of nonsense. Two plus two is still four. It is. I heard recently my daughter goes, you can't say that anymore. And I said, why? She said, because that's not really acceptable. Because for some people, two plus two may be five. I said, some people are wrong. Two plus two is still four. Truth is still truth. No matter how you try to twist it, no matter how you try to spin it, no matter what kind of sauce you put on top of it, truth is still truth. So where do we find our ultimate truth? Is it what I think is best? No. Because sometimes truth is hard to swallow. Sometimes when I hear the truth in the moments, 
I may not like it. But the reality is, it's still the truth. See, this is our ultimate truth. If you want to know what truth is, spend time in the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, come talk to me. We'll get you a Bible. Spend time in the Word of God. Allow God's Word. The Bible says it'll be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It also says that it cuts between bone and marrow. It it slices in where it needs to slice. It cleans out where it needs to clean out. This is our truth. Part of the issue with the church is the church attendee doesn't necessarily know this. We know how to show up when it's easy. But we don't know the truth. So when when opposition comes, we're uncomfortable because we're not sure that we're going to have the answer to give to somebody when they pose the question in front of us or when they cause us to be... uh, to confront us with an issue religiously or biblically. We're not sure that we can take a stand. We're not sure we can defend it because we don't know the truth. Church, can I just challenge you? Don't be spiritually illiterate. But allow the Word of God to hide deep inside of your life so so that you have the knowledge to apply in that moment of uncomfortable so you can speak the truth when that opposition comes your way. Again, we're to speak the truth in love. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says this, So you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other. This is our text as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. So the moment we ask Christ to come into our lives, our next step is to show sincere love for one another. The word sincere here literally means just that. It's not fake. It's genuine. It's without hypocrisy. So let me ask you a question. What sort of love... Are you sharing with a broken world? See, it would be easy to find ourselves at one or two extremes. Either we embrace and accept all the chaos. Oh, whatever's good for you is good for me. As long as you don't hurt somebody else, you're okay. It's all right. It's all good. It's mushy, mushy, mushy. That's all fine. Or we cast them out. We push them away. We hate them, we despise them, and we cause this great divide. Can I just tell you that that neither of those two approaches is correct? Come on. Neither of those is correct. 
We are to resemble Jesus in all that we do, all that we say, every action that we take. So what did Jesus do? Well, anytime he found somebody that was in this situation where their life wasn't living what it should be living, he would point out the sin in love, and then he would say what? Go and sin no more. He addressed the issue in love. He took the moment to hear their hearts, to spend a moment with them. And then because of the sincere love that he has for them and for us, he would give them a directive. He would look them in the eyes and he would simply say this, go and sin no more. In other words, there's got to be a change in your life. What we see happening in our culture today is they are, they're longing for some sort of love, so they've disguised it and tainted this idea of love with a new definition of tolerance. See, tolerance at one point in time was defined as this, recognizing other people's rights to have different beliefs or practices. Okay, I can recognize that you can have an opinion, right? That, that's fair. But the problem is, and this is where it gets tough, we've, we've perverted, perverted this idea of tolerance, and it now means accepting the different views of another person. Do we see the difference? The first is I recognize that you have a difference of opinion. The second is I accept what you believe. Are we, are we seeing an issue here? Yes, no, maybe? Church, listen carefully. If we simply accept the different view, if we receive it as acceptable, as I can receive this, that's not love. That's simply enabling and damaging, and truthfully, it's anything but sincere love. Yes, we are to recognize that people have varying views. I get that. In this room, there's a lot of opinions about a lot of topics, Pineapple on pizza. A lot of topics have different opinions. Pineapple belongs on pizza. If you don't believe that, you're wrong. It's okay. But I can recognize, I can recognize your opinion. Now, we all have opinions for so many different things. We've got to recognize that. But that does not mean we have to accept the practice as beneficial or even the truth. It's vital that if we, the church, the follower of Christ, the, the Christian, if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be, then we must understand who we are as the church and why we believe what we believe. We must each take the time to dive into God's Word and allow it to lead us and guide us. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. 
Come on. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Grab a hold of this. The only way that truth can set us free is if we live in the truth. The only way that we can live in the truth is if we know what the truth is. And the only way that we can know what the truth is is if we spend time with the Word of God. Come on, are are you tracking with me this morning? I'm going to challenge you. Today, get plugged in. Be a part of what God is doing in this body of believers. This fall, I challenge you, join a life group. Man, we're going to kind of restructure how our life groups look a little bit. And I'm going to challenge every single person that calls Encounter Church Home to get plugged into a life group. It's going to help you to grow in your faith. It's going to help you to grow in your relationship with one another. It's going to help you to become who God's called you to be. I'm also going to challenge you to be a part of Grow Track. If you haven't joined Grow Track, we'll take a pause next month, the month of June, but in July, we'll launch it back. We typically do this in the summertime because things are a little slower. July, we're expecting a big class of people going through Grow Track. So get signed up today. Be a part of Grow Track. Now, listen carefully. I want to challenge you even deeper this, this morning. I want to speak to you as, as your pastor. I want to speak to you as a spiritual lead of this church. Listen carefully. It's time for the church. It's time for the follower of Christ to stop playing spiritual games. One amen. All right, all right, all right. It's time for us to stop coming to church out of convenience. In other words, when we have nothing better to do. I had somebody, oh, six months ago or whatever, I saw them on a Friday or Saturday out in, in town somewhere. I said, hey, I can't wait to see you Sunday morning. They said, yeah, I'll be there. Well, unless something else comes up. What? When, when did we start coming to church out of convenience? When do we make God a convenience choice rather than a conviction choice? I know I'm speaking to the choir here. You guys are here on a holiday weekend. The rest of them are all at the lake right now. But if you're watching online and you're sitting in your boat right now, <laughs> next Sunday, be here. All right. Response number two. Man, I got all this built-up stuff over the last two weeks. I don't even know what's happening this morning. Response number two. Learn to stand firm knowing well whose you are. First off, you've got to know the truth if you're going to share the truth. Secondly, you've got to stand firm and know whose you are. In order to stand firm in this battle that we call life, in order to stand comfortable in the midst of the uncomfortable, it's important that we understand two truths. Truth number one is you are not battling against people, culture, or ideas. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says it this way, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. 
against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly realm. We are not fighting against people. We are not fighting against culture. I said it a few weeks ago, but let me say it again. Why do we think that a godless culture should do godly things? We see all this turmoil right now with all these companies out there, Target and everything else. Why are we surprised when an ungodly business does ungodly things? But we as a church must determine to know whose we are. And when we begin to know whose we are, we realize there's action steps that we've got to take, that we've got to know the truth, and now we've got to apply the truth, and now we've got to move forward in the things of God. So if we're not battling against people and culture and ideas, what are we up against? It's a spiritual battle. 1 John chapter 5 says it this way, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Who is the evil one? Satan, the devil, our adversary. Now, as kids, we used to play a game called hide and seek. Somebody would hide, and we'd have to seek and find them. We played a game called TAG. I didn't realize TAG was an acronym, but I forgot what it stood for, but it's an acronym. You're trying to catch somebody else. And I want you to know that in culture today, in society today, as we step outside of these walls, remember the world is ruled by the enemy. So what he is trying to do is derail the church. He's trying to take us down. He's roaring like a lion, seeking somebody to devour. And the sad reality is church after church, Christian after Christian is falling into the trap of compromise. All under this idea of We ignore the truth of God's Word, and we taint it under the umbrella of love and acceptance. They're not embracing real love. They're embracing a perverted love that moves in opposition to the calling of God. Look at our second truth. Our second truth is this. You must recognize who is on your side. Have you ever tried to fight a battle by yourself? Yeah. Most of us in the room have. Let me share, with, share something with you this morning. It really doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Truthfully, it doesn't matter how long you've come to church or been a Christian. All that's irrelevant because in your own ability, you will stumble every time. You will. Because in our own strength, we're not strong enough. When we get into the uncomfortable, we're not strong enough. When we step out into the uncomfortable, suddenly the temptation, it's all around us. The struggle is real. In 1 John chapter 4, it says this, But you belong to God, my dear children. 
You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world. Come on, that should make you want to shout this morning. God has already given you the victory. Man, Pastor, I feel like I'm going in an uphill battle. I feel like I'm just one fight after another fight after another fight after another fight. That may be where you are, but I want you to understand the battle may be difficult, but you've already won the war. Because God is on your side. God has prepared you. He's equipped you. He's given you what you need. And by the way, God is greater than anything that our adversary can bring our way. So it's almost in one of those moments when you step out of your comfort zone, you step into the uncomfortable, you look at the situation around you, and you say, step back because my daddy's bigger than your daddy. Some of you need to hold on to that. Some of you need to realize that your daddy's bigger than the world's daddy. That God's got your back. That God's ready to help you in this moment, in this situation. After all, God has set you up for spiritual success. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. By his divine power, by God's divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. God's already given you all that you need. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption because are caused by human desires. God has given you what you need. You're not battling against people. You're not battling against situations. You're not battling against circumstances. But the moment you give yourself to Christ, you are a new creation. You belong to him. He has given you what you need to move forward, to be comfortable in the midst of the uncomfortable. Finally, response number three. Once we've got all of this, once we hold on to this truth, once we realize the difference that the Word of God can make, we move to our third response, which is take action to advance the truth. Again, it's not enough to recognize there's an issue. We all know there's an issue. It's not enough to settle in and and to rest our feet solid in the ground. No, 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 no. We've got to move into action, pursuit to advance the truth. I've titled this morning's message, Move from Tolerance to Truth, because if we are to be the church that God's called us to be, then we need to function in a way that mirrors the life and the calling of God. This is to be a life that pursues truth and shares truth even when it's uncomfortable. A life that is willing to speak the truth in love. To grab that individual that's spiraling downward quickly. To wrap our arm around them and say, you know what? 
we may not see eye to eye on everything. But I want you to know I love you. And I want God's best for your life. I'm willing to walk the journey with you. I'm willing to be your support. See, we're not called to live a life of compromise, but to live a life of truth and dedication to God. Paul makes a very bold statement to the church in Rome, and he says this. It really applies to us today as well. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Come on, how many of you would say that this world needs to be rewired? But the Bible says, how will they know the truth unless somebody tells them? And how will somebody tell them unless somebody goes? It's not enough to post on social media the aggravation that you have with culture. That's not taking action. That's a passive approach. And the way I read the Word of God, we're not called to be passive in our approach. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's not passive. That's direct. Therefore, go and make disciples. It doesn't say, therefore, slowly open the door. Try not to make eye contact. If you happen to see something out of your peripheral that you disagree with, it, just post on social media about it. It'll be good. That's not what it says. But even in the midst of the uncomfortable situations of life, God has called us to go. Here's my fear. I fear that if the church remains inactive, settled, as it's been for generations, then we're not far from becoming like the Israelites that we read about in Judges chapter 2. Let me remind you, the Israelites had been in slavery in Egypt. Moses goes, all the plagues happen. They begin to go, the water parts. They eventually, 40 years later, they make it into the promised land. Miracle after miracle took place. Water came out of rocks. Food just appeared. God's grace and mercy was with them every step of the way. Yet now we read one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, eventually that entire generation died and was buried. Well, that's not the sad part goes on to say, then another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God or the work he had done for Israel. 
then another generation grew up that didn't know anything about God. Do we see an issue? And, and here's what I see. We're breeding a generation that will soon know nothing of the things of God if we don't learn to stand for the truth of God's Word. And it's our fault. Mom and Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, it's our fault. Because for too long we've said, your baseball is more important than church. Your school activity is more important than church. Oh, I don't, you don't, you don't feel like going to church today? It's okay. You don't have to go to church today. You just stay home. I'll see you at 1230. Just turn the crock pot on about 10 o'clock. It'll be fine. We have failed to stand upon the Word of God. We have failed to fulfill who God has called us to be, all because we just wanted to be tolerant. And accept however your feelings okay. Church, wake up. It's time for the church to wake up. If not, we're going to have a generation that knows nothing of the things of God. This once God, godly nation, I'll tell you right now, it's not a godly nation. Every time we say the pledge, truth we will lie in. One nation under God? Nah. One nation under self? Probably. Are you willing To step out of your comfort zone? To step into the place of uncomfortable and say, Lord, would you use me here? God, would you use me here? It's time for the church to stop flirting with darkness. When I say church, I'm not just talking about these walls. We are the church. It's time for us to stop flirting with darkness and embrace the light that God's placed in our lives. It's time for us to go all in. Would you bow your heads with me today? Lord. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.